Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Last week, we began our sermon series on John's Gospel, and we're continuing this week. And last week, I mentioned at the introduction part of the sermon, and I'm going to repeat part of it, that John's Gospel was a very intentional gospel in terms of how it was written. In the first three chapters of John's Gospel, there's this unfolding of God's salvation history. And in particular, you see in the first three chapters of John's Gospel... The first five books of the Old Testament. For example, last week we talked about in John 1 through verses 14, 1 through 14, the unfolding of the creation story. In the beginning was the word. And just like the creation story, in the beginning, Genesis 1-1. And the word of God, which is Jesus. And then the word became flesh. Jesus became flesh. And you see this creation story played out with Jesus then becoming flesh. So God became flesh. And then we see the book of Exodus here in this passage. Where we have this Lamb of God, this Passover Lamb, becoming flesh. A human. Which is referred to in the reading from Exodus, the first reading this morning. Which is the reading you have before you. The Passover Lamb, which is a key element in Not only the history of salvation, but the people of Israel, God's chosen people. And then if you were to go to John chapter 2, you would see Jesus cleansing the temple, the holiness of God and the whole temple description, which you find in the book of Leviticus, the third book of the Bible. And then Jesus' interaction with Nicodemus, who was a leader, a teacher of the law, who loved the law. And the, and the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through Jesus, fulfilling the law and accomplishing God's work. And Deuteronomy talks about the law and loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Deuteronomy 5 and Deuteronomy 6. And then Jesus makes reference to Nicodemus about halfway through the chapter. If he be lifted up, will draw all men to himself, pointing to Moses who lifted up the serpent so that people would be saved. And that's found in the book of Numbers. So in the first three chapters of John's Gospel, you see the first five books of the Old Testament, the books of Moses. Well, not only when we arrive at this passage about the Passover lamb, the most important for the people of Israel and salvation history, you also have this reference to John the Baptist, who is the voice crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Which is from the prophet Isaiah. So you see the law, the books of Moses, and you see the prophets coming together in John's gospel as well. John is very intentional in making sure people understand this Jesus who is coming, this Messiah, is the fulfillment of God. 
God's plan of salvation. All that God had planned, not only for all people, but for the people of Israel. And Jesus is this promise of God's salvation. And this pointing to the lamb, the Passover lamb. But here's the odd part. But people understand this whole idea of a Passover lamb and this sacrifice for freedom from bondage. But a person? A person being the sacrifice? That would not translate for the people. So when John the Baptist points to Jesus Christ as, here's the Lamb of God, It would be confusing to the people listening. It would even be confusing to John the Baptist who's announcing it. Because it didn't fully make sense at this point. John was being the faithful prophet. Prophets, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, when they were announcing God's word, when they were prophesying, much like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, they would not always fully comprehend what they were prophesying. John, in the book of Revelation, when he prophesied some of his prophecies, would not fully comprehend what he was prophesying. And so when John the Baptist was prophesying, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he wouldn't fully comprehend it. He was simply being faithful to the fact that the Holy Spirit was filling him, alighting on Jesus, and he was being faithful to what God was calling him to do. But it would be a confusing statement. The Passover came so that the people of Israel would be released from bondage. A Passover lamb was also, just like a lamb sacrificed, bondage from sin. But a person being the one bringing this? John would also understand, as the people would, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. We see that in Exodus chapter 30. We see this in Leviticus. Throughout Leviticus with the sacrificial system. We see this in Hebrews. Specifically chapter 9 verse 22. Over and over again in scripture. Without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin. We as Christians understand Jesus. Or at least intellectually we hear it. That Jesus was sacrificed as our lamb. Sacrificed for our sin. We celebrate communion saying that. But but do we even fully comprehend and understand what that means? But just to point out how significant and important the Passover lamb is. The Passover is given... As you see in the scripture before you, if you would take out your bulletin just for a second, it's given in Exodus 12. And the the Jewish year is established by that, giving of the Passover lamb. But let me read to you from Exodus chapter 13, the following chapter. This is the celebration of. Every year that's given for the Jewish people. You shall tell your child 
on that day. It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. Every, every year. And who was being told? The children were being told. This was every year celebrated as the most significant event for the people of Israel. It's when they would come together as God's people. It's when they would travel together being delivered from bondage as God's people. It's when miracle after miracle happened and the Passover was the pinnacle event. And it's really interesting because how many here have ever been to a Seder, which is like the Christian version? Quite a number of you have been to a Seder. We may need to do that again here in the coming year or two, just so people would experience it. Because at the Seder meal, at the Passover meal, the youngest child is asked the question. The question, by the way, for the Jew is known as the Ma Nishtana. That's what the question is known as, the Ma Nishtana. And it's the question, what is so special about this night? The youngest child asks the question, why? Because it impresses upon everybody at the meal. Everybody needs to know what this Passover is about. And it's really, really interesting because children need to know, every generation needs to know what our communion is about, what our Passover is about. And yet, when Jesus was announced as the Passover at the very beginning, no one really understood or fully comprehended what it was about. John the Baptist didn't know. The apostles didn't know. The Pharisees would even reject the idea because it didn't fit their mold. But the youngest child and the family and the community would understand the Passover lamb, the Passover meal, the release from bondage. And that's why we need to be clear in Jesus being our Passover lamb and what that means for us. But let's start with John the Baptist first. And I'm not going to talk about John the Baptist and his weird clothes and his weird diet. Okay, we're not going to start there. Everybody kind of knows that stuff. Let me tell you what's interesting about John the Baptist. Once again, pull out your bulletin and look at verse 31 and look at verse 33. He says it twice. He says it twice. I myself did not know him. You know what's really strange about that? John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins. How did he not know him? They were cousins. It's really interesting that he said, I didn't know him. Let me tell you why. I guarantee you, John the Baptist was told the stories about his own birth. About how. Elizabeth miraculously conceived and Zechariah and the whole story about his own parents and what happened to them. 
And then how Mary, Jesus' mom, shows up on the scene. John the Baptist leaps in the womb. I guarantee he knows the stories. I'll bet he even knew the story about the star and the angels showing up and the shepherds showing up at Jesus' birth. I'll bet he even heard that his cousin Jesus was perfect. You probably had a perfect cousin, right? What does it mean he didn't know him? It means how could my cousin possibly be this guy? How could my cousin possibly be the Messiah? He came from Galilee. He was a carpenter's son. He's a nobody. He's like me. He can't be the Messiah. So John the Baptist was in denial about who Jesus really was. He was unwilling to see until what? Until he came to be baptized. And when he was baptized, the Lord opened his eyes. The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and opened his ears. This is my son, the beloved. And the Holy Spirit revealed to John who this really was. Because that's how it happens. If you're not open to the Holy Spirit, you'll never know who Jesus is. And that's why John could announce, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It doesn't mean that John fully would understand what's being said. Because he didn't. He didn't understand at this point that Jesus wasn't the Messiah that he even heard about. Because let me tell you what John was comfortable with up to this point. John had probably been, when he was out in the wilderness, a voice crying in the wilderness, when he was out in the wilderness, he was probably involved in the Essene community. If you've been through the Discovery class, you've heard this. If you haven't been, you have your chance to come tomorrow night. Okay? But during Jesus' time, there were four sects in Judaism. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Zealots, and the Essenes. The Essenes were the community that were looking to be holy amidst a corrupt generation. And they were out of the wilderness, away from the culture. And they were looking for the coming of the Messiah. So repentance was very comfortable to this community. And John eventually felt called out of this community and was the first word out of his mouth, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the other thing that was common about the Essene community was baptism. They had these baptismal baths everywhere. And so he came out baptizing. And he was looking for the Messiah just like the Essene community was looking for the Messiah. And so when he came out, everything he said and did was comfortable to him. But he felt compelled by the Spirit to come out at this moment. Why? Because Jesus was showing up on the scene. That's why.
God revealed his Messiah. Again, it doesn't mean he fully comprehended. What would happen later on to John the Baptist? He'd be arrested. And when he was arrested, he kept waiting for this Messiah to do something. Something that he expected the Messiah to do. Like do something wonderful. Do something powerful. Establish the Jewish nation. And he said, are you the one or should we be looking for someone else? Because you're not doing it the way I'm expecting you to. And Jesus quotes Isaiah. The blind see. The lame walk. This is the kind of Messiah I came to be. Not necessarily the one you expected. And maybe John would eventually understand because of his own suffering that Jesus as the Lamb of God came to suffer, came to die, came to be a sacrifice for our sin. That's the kind of Messiah that Jesus came to be. The Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God who would bring freedom and life. And the Jews would understand that in time. Because they understand the first Passover was about freedom for a people that were in bondage. A people that were in bondage and had no hope. Jesus provides hope. For a people in bondage that only expected to just be there as slaves and die, that Jesus came to bring life. An abundant life and eternal life. This is the Passover lamb. See, it's not just about physical stuff. It's not just about being freed from physical slavery. It's about spiritual life. It's about eternal life. And it's about freedom from the bondage of sin. The sin in our lives that cause us to make bad decisions and broken relationships. To live apart from God and mess up our relationships with people around us. To give us life and community as God intended. That's the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb who came to take away our sin. And it's real simple. John the Baptist said, follow him. Jesus would say, come and see and follow me. It's real simple. It's not always easy, but it's real simple. And it's the only way that you really come to an understanding. Because what would they come and see? They would come and see a Messiah who came to serve people and love people and suffer for people and die for people and then rise again. 
they would follow someone whose life was all about sacrifice and love and compassion and telling truth to people that didn't always want to hear truth. They would come and see someone who came to be their Savior because they needed a Savior, because they were sinners just like we are. And they would follow Jesus because we need to have a Lord for our life because we can't be the Lord of our lives. Because we'll mess it up. And how does this happen? See, it happens by being open to see who he really is. Not by our preconceived notions, not by our biases, not by our prejudices, not by wanting to do it our way. See, John the Baptist couldn't initially see. The Pharisees and Sadducees, some of them would never see. Do you know what that's like? Let me tell you what that's like. Some of you have heard me talk about this before. It's like when I was in Pittsburgh growing up. And I eventually was involved in ministry. You know, when I was involved in ministry in Pittsburgh, I was primarily a crazy youth minister. I know some of you find that hard to believe. Because I'm so dignified now. What? And, you know, it's interesting when I finally eventually felt called to ministering to adults. It was really hard for people to see me outside that role. Looking back, I understand that. But then I couldn't understand it. And I eventually had to leave Pittsburgh to find the kind of ministry that I felt called to. Because people could not see me outside of who I was. And who I felt called to be. John the Baptist, until the Holy Spirit opened his eyes, could not see Jesus for who he was. The Pharisees and Sadducees, Jesus didn't have the right pedigree, the right education. He wasn't one of them. And for many of the Jews, unless he was... Meeting their needs the way they wanted. Providing material benefit. Being the conquering Messiah that lifted and elevated Israel to the premier nation that they wanted it to be. He would never be the Messiah they wanted. But Jesus came to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Who came to be our Savior and our Lord. And the question is... Do you have eyes to see that? Do you have a heart to follow him? Only the Holy Spirit can give that. And you have to ask the question just like the youngest child. Not what's so special about this night, but what's so special about him. And then receive the kingdom as a child. And have your eyes open.
to see Jesus as the Passover lamb who was sacrificed for you. Let's pray. Father God, what a gift you've given to us in your son Jesus to be our Passover lamb. Not always what we expect or want, but what we so desperately need. How in his great love he gave himself for us so that we might be freed from the bondage of sin. So that we might have life filled with love and joy and peace. Fill us with your spirit so that we might have eyes to see. So that we might have the will to follow him. So that we might have your grace and be transformed. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.